All right, after a week off, the second half is upon us, and it begins the same way the first half of the schedule did, a game against the division rival Seattle Seahawks, this time at SoFi Stadium. Good to be back with DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. Hope you're having a good evening, everyone. What's up, my friend? I only have one word for you, mulligan, but that's for the end of the show. Please. Mulligan, okay. Mulligan, 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 Cowboys, mulligan, mulligan, mulligan. All right. Yeah. So we're going to finish with our uh, playoff eliminator contest. Come on. I think DeMarco may have already been eliminated. No. We'll also have four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory to get the latest on the Seahawks. And they're intriguing yeah. to me, DeMarco, because they could just as easily win the West, I guess, as tumble all the way out of the playoff picture here in the next couple of weeks. They still got two with San Fran, right? And one and, with Dallas, and, and one with Philadelphia, and, with Philly. so and can, one here against the Rams. They could go 0-4 against those teams. I don't think they beat San Francisco twice. Maybe not even once, right? Philadelphia. Philadelphia is tough. Uh, one of the most physical teams we've seen. Um, Super Bowl contenders. They may not beat them. So, yeah, it all starts this weekend for the Rams. I guess you can say, dare I say, a must win for both teams, which makes it great for us calling the game. Yeah, I've thought about why it's a must win for the Rams, but that's interesting that you – throw it at me from the Seahawks vantage point where I think it could go either way. Either maybe they get caught looking ahead to the showdown with San Francisco and the gauntlet that's in front, or maybe they're so laser focused on this game because they feel like you just articulated. If we don't get this one, we're in trouble. So we better bring our best to Hollywood Park. Yeah, I I think Pete Carroll and and the Seahawks live in reality. Uh, They're not good enough to look past anybody. You know what I mean? So, I mean, even the the Rams beat them once this year. So, look, all their focus is going to be on beating the L.A. Rams. But for the rest of the year, the rest of the schedule, how it benefits the Rams, the Seahawks could go on an epic collapse or it wouldn't even be epic. They could just get beat by better football teams and you're in position as a Ram to take advantage of that. If the Rams beat them this weekend, I think the Seahawks are going to be underdogs in like their next four or five games. Yeah, you have an opportunity to to gain ground. That's I guess that's why I'm so jazzed up. Uh, why aren't you sad about having three wins uh, going into the bye? Because you got three wins going into the bye and you've got opportunities set up for you the rest of the year. So this season is not over. The playoffs aren't out of the realm of possibility for this team in L.A. The Rams' bye came essentially right at the midway point of the season. Now that we play 17 games, there's no true medal. But in essence, it split the season in half. What did you take away from your time away? It's a period of self-reflection, self-scouting, adjustments, uh, some personnel decisions at the Rams facility we'll talk about. But as you look at this team and this roster, what did the extra week of time away give you in terms of perspective well Sean McVay still has juice he still has gas he still loves coaching football so that's that's number one uh number two Matthew Stafford and just what a weird situation he's in right now I remember when he was drafted to you, you know number one coming into the league and now seeing him here in this situation where he's got some injuries and he's coming back from injury and people start to bring up his age and they question how great he is so what a wonderful opportunity it's going to be for us to see how he reacts to all that. So that's that stands out. Uh, defensively speaking, Aaron Donald is still that guy. He is still a superstar in my eyes. And I think you've got some budding superstars on defense that could take a step forward, Byron Young in particular. So you hope those guys, plus a few others that I'm sure you're going to mention in, in about two seconds, I hope the other guys, the other superstars on this football team get healthy and start to show out so you can take advantage of what's in front of you. 
Yeah, it looks like Rob Havenstein might be ready to make his return to right tackle. Looks like Ernest Jones will be back in the middle of the defense. We'll see about Kobe Durant, who's been dealing with kind of this shoulder-neck stinger situation. Tyler Higby always putting his face in the fan. He can always use a week off. And Puka Nakua, who had his breakout performance in Seattle against these Seahawks, I think desperately needed a physical and mental break. I mean, think about mm-hmm. what he's been through in terms of the NFL cycle and and ringer over the course of the first half of his professional season. Go ahead. Uh, well, you said put fan in face, right? Yes. Did you mean in like the jackass sort of way, <laughs> or just he fell into the fan and he got and he got up and kept playing? Because I don't need the jackass guy. I, I need a tough dude, right? Yeah. yeah. But, I, I mean, Tyler you can't go, is like go. the Deadpool of, <laughs> of the Los Angeles Rams and, and has been for many years. But Matthew Stafford has that reputation yeah. as a pro, too. And I want to hear from him here about why this bye week was important, not just for his thumb health, but for the entire Rams organization. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the bye, uh, especially at this point in my career. <laughs> uh, whenever it wants to show up, I'm ready for it. If you want to have two of them, I'm cool with that too. Um, but yeah, for me, it definitely was uh, it was the right time. Um, and I do so, you know, I do think for our team as well. Um, obviously, a um, couple guys that were, you know, battling through some stuff that inevitably every team has, and it's nice to get those guys some extra rest. And then, uh, you know, just refreshed mentally as well, um, you know, for... Uh, you know, the rest of the season and, you know, whatever guaranteed. DeMarco, what I appreciate about this moment in time is there are so many different directions that this season can go for Stafford and for the Rams. I still believe there's a playoff push in them. I don't believe that there are seven NFC teams better than the 23 Los Angeles Rams. But believing that and proving that, as we found out at three and six, are two completely different things. Oh, no doubt. I'm right there with you. I I totally agree. And if you watch both teams playing that are going to play this Sunday, uh, what they've done since week one, and here we are meeting again. Seattle is six and three, year three and six, and it could be flipped either way for both sides. So uh, just one of those weird NFL seasons, but it all starts – this Sunday, and like you said, the rest of your year. And I guess when you when you say playoff push, the guy that I most look to is Matthew Stafford. For what sure. do you got left? I see all the hope. I see all the Jets fans that really think if Aaron Rodgers comes back, that they can actually make a run at this thing. And I'm like, how good do you think this guy really is? And then they remind me he is that good. Well, why shouldn't I feel the same way about Matthew Stafford? If the guy could grip a football, if he can figure just that part out, I'll take him versus most quarterbacks in the National Football League. But until that happens, until he's healthy enough to do that, you have to – everything else is in doubt, I guess. Yeah. I, are we taking too much for granted that just because he did have the week off and it's looking like he's going to practice fully in play, that things will just go back to normal, so to speak? I think his first half up until that injury at Dallas was Pro Bowl worthy. I think he was playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. But two weeks ago, he couldn't hold a football. So are we assuming too much that just because he's going to dress and give it a go, that he's going to be as effective as he was in week one in Seattle, for instance? No, I I don't think he's going to be ready to go right away and start whipping the football like he did in week one. But being out there is is job number one. You'll get better. Say he you get through Seattle, you run the football wall, you play good defense and you beat Seattle and you keep him upright. Well, that's a week where he got to work in a live game for that thumb and he can get confidence in it. So the game after that, he'll be a little bit better. So a month of doing the right things, playing clean in the kicking game, running the football, uh, being better in the, in, the, in, the, in the secondary, doing things that help you win football games outside of what Matthew Stafford does, that's great. Three weeks from now, when he's fully healthy, you'll be ready for that stretch run in December to take advantage of whoever's on your schedule. 
So 60, 70, 80% of Matthew Stafford is better than the alternative, which now yeah. includes Carson Wentz. And we can also talk about Wentz's addition to the quarterback room. But what I mean about where this season can go is say that Stafford does play the rest of the way. And if he does, I think the Rams are going to get to seven, eight, nine wins, right? And that puts them in a much different place, maybe in the playoffs, maybe just outside of the playoff picture. But drafting in the middle to back half of the Springs draft, as opposed to in the top 10 or higher. Wow. So if Stafford plays well and the Rams play well, maybe what you're looking at in the draft is, do we have a left tackle in the future? Is there a receiver that we can layer into our room? If it goes the other way, and if Stafford his thumb isn't right, or it gets worse, changes or, everything, or, or this yeah. season comes off the rails, then you're swimming in quarterback waters in a, again, we say this too often, historically good quarterback class. Yeah, yeah. And you may be going in a different direction. So this is a massive, I think, inflection point, a juncture in the road, however you want to describe it. And it starts with the Seattle team that I think you need to beat. Because as I wrote this week, I think Seattle is the team that you can catch in the playoff standings. I don't think you're catching Dallas. I don't know that you can catch Minnesota. There is going to be an NFC South champion and a playoff representative because those are the rules of the National Football League. I don't yeah. like it, but that's yeah. just the way it goes. So there's only so many seats at the table, seven to be exact, and I think Seattle's is the one that you can go get. Do you give O'Connell some credit? Yes. It, yeah, he, well, he, they start 0-3. Yeah, he doesn't have Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is out, and here they are still competing with Josh Dobbs. Give that man some credit. Especially Give him because flowers. last year, even though they were a playoff team, everyone's like, oh, you were undefeated in one score game. Yeah. You were the <laughs> luckiest team in the league. That's bound to regress back to the mean. And then one month into this season, oh, it, it regressed meanly. Right. It sure did. And here they are. Like, Give him know, credit. I don't yeah. know that you took a step forward from Kirk Cousins, but you get Justin Jefferson back with Dobbs playing the way he is and their schedule. That's why I'm saying even though they're the seven right now, I don't know it's realistic that the Rams are going to be able to overtake them without a head-to-head. They do have the head-to-head against Seattle, and that's where you sweep the Seahawks. You go to Arizona and get a Thanksgiving weekend win. We're having a whole different conversation in two weeks in two division games. No doubt. And another guy that just is like, wow to me, is Josh Dobbs. How do you do that? How do you go start for Arizona and then go start for Minnesota and be good at the same time and not be crazy? You're figuring out your cadence on the sideline, and you go out there and kick some butt. That He's in the Pro Bowl. I could care less what his numbers are. Absolutely. <laughs> Bold take. Yeah. Performances for two different teams. <laughs> He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. Glad you're with us for this edition of Rams All Access. The second half resumes the same way the first half kicked off with a matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, who are right now uh, in a dead heat atop the NFC West with the San Francisco 49ers. Is it Boye Mafe? Yes. Is it- Seven consecutive games with a sack. Boye. Boye Mafe. Yeah, it stands out, like you said, the streak he's on. Seven games with sacks, right? Uh, the guy he's about to beat is Mike Sinclair. He was hot in Seattle when we were hot in college. So he was the guy in Seattle. So I'm like, wow, you were about to beat that record? That's how I knew about this dude. That's, that's no easy feat. But he's become more of a starter. And I didn't know in, uh, Nuosu was out. Correct. I lost him in Arizona to a peck. So yeah. he, that, that's kind of not been a one-for-one one switch, but yeah. he's offset that loss. Yeah, he's taken advantage and of the And then they reps. go get Leonard Williams. Too. So I hope the same thing that happened to Boye Mafe can happen to Byron Young here. The more reps you get or you just get on one of those streaks, the next thing you know, you've got 11 and a half sacks. That would be great. 
All right, so with the second half upon us, let's pause here. We'll come back. We'll hear from Sean McVay. I think we need to hear from Carson Wentz on why he and the Rams were the right match at the right time. And then we'll get to like a second half wish list. Like what are the areas the Rams need to improve and clean up to have a real chance to get hot and win six seven of the remaining eight. Who knows? Run the table. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. We're at SoFi Stadium this week, getting set for the Seattle Seahawks in Week 11 here on Rams All Access 710 ESPN. I think it was really good for everybody, and, and it came at the right time, and now we're excited to be able to attack the second half of the season. Um, a lot of good opportunities for us to play good, clean ball, and um, but I did really get a chance to enjoy, you know, doing a little bit of work here and there, but then, you know, spending some good quality time with my family. Uh, my parents were in town, which was great. And so it was uh, it was a really good week. And, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of Mr. Dad, which was kind of cool. I can get used to it. Rams head coach Sean McVay, who uh, got some diaper training in during his bye week, <laughs> onboarded a new backup quarterback in Carson Wentz, who had a third child of his own, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, this past week, he now has three daughters. So a lot going on behind the scenes on the Rams bye week. It's going to help him become a better coach. I mean, he's off to fatherhood. That's a different deal, and we wish him well. God bless you. We've all been on that journey, but it's going to help you as a coach. Now you understand what some of these players are going through when they have kids. You understand that pull when you need to be home, but you, you, you want to be practicing or working. So this will be fun to watch him grow. Look, I, I yeah. get the dynamic in the National Football League when you draft in the opposite order in which you finish. That when you're three and six and losers of three in a row going into the bye, you know, segments of your fan base start to think ahead to the spring and what might oh, yeah. be ahead. You can't tell me that Sean McVay is not completely dialed in to guiding Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald in this half season of their prime to January football. Yeah, I, he no doubt. Have, he doesn't yeah. have any other priority. He said as much there. He told us as much you on know, our most recent coaches show. And I give respect to everybody in the media, especially the L.A. media. We know pretty much everybody, right? But I dare one of them to say the word tank in front of Sean McVay. Good luck. You're going to get your soundbite. Yeah, that, 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 that does not enter into his equation. He is trying to win and win now wherever he's at. So he's got three wins. That's why I'm so jacked. He's got three wins and opportunities to win more coming after the bye. So that's where his head is at. That's where everybody's head should be at. Just selfishly, I don't want to give half a season away. I, I get it. There are organizational priorities and teams make decisions that are best for the direction they're heading. But like for you and for me and for Maurice Jones-Drew and for Adam, our producer, like we get half a season of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald in their prime. Nothing, nothing is guaranteed moving forward. Like I, I don't want to speak anything bad into existence, but like you never know when you're seeing the last high moment of a future Hall of Famer's career. This is true. Yeah. And and we don't often get the Or anybody. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get the adrenaline rush of a sun of a victory Monday coming off of, of a Sunday win in February, in March, in the dog days of the offseason. So if this thing comes off the rails and, and they have to develop other talent and, and yeah. make decisions that benefit their future, so be it. But I'm not there yet. I don't think you're there no, yet. No, 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 no. And for sure, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams is not there I, yet. I think that's why he's that guy. You know, I just thinking when you said that, I saw Orlando Pace's last kick step for the Rams. I saw Torrey Holt's last reception for the Rams. I never thought I would see a day without Stephen Jackson carrying the football for the Rams. Saw that too. Any of those guys give you a heads up that this last moment was no. coming? Like, hey, DeMarco, focus on this one. No idea. It, my last. it was there and done, and that's that. But I'll tell you this. I do remember when eras changed when I was a player, and Jackie Slater 
Bears said this. When they started talking about firing the coach, change everything, we weren't very good. I'm a young kid. I don't know. But he told us, he warned us, change is not good. Change is not good. It's not what you think it is, and half this room will be gone Mm -hmm. if it does happen. So if you want to hang on to what was, if you want to hang on to that team and the feeling you have in that locker room, if you're one of the superstars that we mentioned or are about to talk about, Cup, Higby, Havenstein, we've talked about Stafford, all the other veteran guys that have been around for a lot of winning, this is your last opportunity to get it going in the right direction. Because if it goes south, everything changes at the end of the year. And when change happens, guess who's going to be left behind? The the younger players, the underclassmen who I think need to learn how to win, what it feels like to finish an NFL game, what it feels like to play complementary football for four quarters, which the Rams haven't done yet. Like, There's a lot of promise in this second-year group. There's a ton of promise in the class of 2023, the rookies who have played well so far. But they need to learn to win here and win against top-level competition and take advantage of these opportunities there in front of them. Even if it means the Rams draft a slot or two lower come April, so be it. I think it's more important to go toe-to-toe with a Seattle, to break the regular season streak against San Francisco, to take on a Lamar Jackson and know how to do that in Baltimore to bring your best game plan and your best execution. To me, those are as if not more important than draft pecking order or what you're playing for this offseason. 100%. But like you said, there's some good players coming out. If you can grab a few of those guys, <laughs> absolutely. But it's all about this year right now. No doubt. Let's hope we're not having to, to change our tune here in a, in a week or two. I'd much rather climb from three and six to five and six and, and really have something to focus on in December and January. Okay, for that to happen to Marco Farr, what are some areas of growth for the 2023 Los Angeles Rams to give them a chance, not this, not just this Sunday, but in the remainder of their schedule? DB's got to be better. Uh, that's, that's Is that the weakest point of this that, roster right now? It's the most disappointing. Okay. It's the most disappointing. I, we thought it was going to be the offensive line. They, they've played pretty good football. They protected Matthew Stafford to a certain degree. Now he got the thumb. I don't think you can blame that on them. Uh, running backs. Uh, Kyron Williams was a star for two weeks, then he got hurt. And then you bring in uh, Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman gets an opportunities, and you're still able to run the football. Well, what hasn't changed? Those five guys up front outside of Havenstein missing and Boom going in. But Boom is a starter. He was the top six. So that old line has been great. DBs have been shocking, really. I mean, Akello Witherspoon is leading the team with two picks. No other corner has one. I mean, really, I didn't think you'd ever see that. And they've had problems with penalties. I think they're the most penalized group on this football team. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that stings. I said out of training camp, this would be where your next star comes from. I was dead wrong. They've got to get that fixed. They've got to get that sewed up. Now, I get how you're calling games. Uh, you're protecting. Raheem Morris is making sure that the team doesn't get beat over the top. That puts a lot of onus on the guys up front. But when the ball is thrown, you've got to be way more competitive in the secondary if you expect to be a playoff football team. No doubt. Completely agree. I'll be curious to see what personnel changes are coming down the pike. We already saw Quentin Lake to emerge in the star. Seems like he's playing more and more. Uh, Good matchup against a three-receiver Seahawks set that now includes Jackson Smith and Jigba to go along with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Kobe Durant's stinger shoulder next situation, I think, is a big piece to the puzzle because there's no question he's one of their best three corners. But where does he play and how much can he play? Uh, is it Trey Tomlinson's turn? Speaking of rookies, you know some have hit the wall and needed that bye week. Some are still chomping at the bit trying to get their chance, and I think number six in Royal and Soul's time might be coming sooner rather than later. I, I'm asking myself, and this is last week or two weeks ago in Green Bay, when you, you, you sat down DK and – 
you, you had an issue at corner and you sent in Duke Shelley. Correct. And I like Duke Shelley, but I'm like, I thought this would be Trey Tomlinson off the bench. I thought he'd be the first guy, but he wasn't. So uh, clearly there's something not he's not ready to play just yet. So they say or whatever. Uh, But at some point, whoever it is, whatever combo you put out there, those three guys, five, if you count the safeties, have to be much better. For, for in the second half of the season if you hope to shut these teams down and give yourself a chance to win. I'll pitch one to you on the other side of the football, and it's the tight end room. And do we ever love Tyler Higby? And we know he plays through pain seemingly every single Sunday. But that's kind of the problem, is he's playing through too much pain, and his production has really suffered. His drops are up, doesn't have a touchdown yet. In fact, no one in that room has a touchdown. But really, he's chewing up the lion's share of the snaps, even though they're now carrying four tight ends. That doesn't, that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. You can't carry four tight ends and only play one of them. You can't carry four tight ends and only get true production from one of them. So whether it's Bryson Hopkins or Davis Allen, the rookie, or now Hunter Long, who came back from Miami in the Jalen Ramsey trade, do you become more multiple in your personnel? Do you play out of more 12? Do you rotate more so that Higby can stay fresh? Whatever it is, I think that's a position and a position group the Rams have to extract some value from, run and pass, for them to find the wins they're hunting up in the second half. No this, doubt. This Have schedule. they caught a touchdown pass this year from in the tight end room? Zero from Higby. Yeah. And he's the only one who has one in his career, DeMarco. Let that, me say that again. Yeah. None from Higby this season, and Higby's the only tight end on the Rams roster who has a career touchdown. That's almost criminal. Uh, it, it, do you think Tyler Higby is 100%? I know he's not, or he wasn't going into the bio. So you're telling me the other three guys can't beat out a whatever percent Tyler Higby on certain reps. Or they haven't earned the trust to be given the chance. Because when Bryson Hopkins is in the game, good, thing, good things happen. But for whatever reason, they're not trusting him with those opportunities, and they haven't throughout his career. Then that might be criminal. Okay, if you're, your dad's got a broken leg and a broken arm, and he's still going out you know, collecting firewood, and you're not helping, that's an issue. You know what I mean? Somebody else has got to pick up his bricks and work for this football team if he's that banged up. And you've got three other guys. So hopefully we'll get to see some other guys in there if he's that hurt. One other point that's kind of been on my mind this bye week is the kicking game. And it's the phase that we overlook most often. But it's really been detrimental to the Rams. Not just missed field goals, though those have hurt too. They might be up a win in the standings if they'd made their kicks. But out kicking their coverage on punt, not covering and tackling in the kicking game, uh, really just losing field position. The Rams right now are one of the worst teams in the league in that third phase, and it's hard for me to see them making a true run at this if they don't get a lot better on teams. No doubt. Um, No question. Um, How do you tell Ethan Evans to choke it down some? It is what it is. The kid's got my pay grade. I don't know. He's one of the the strongest players they have, and he's – He's he's like Johnny Hecker. He's he's something special. So you're going to have to learn to cover better. I can't ask him to back off a little bit. Maybe angle punt, be a little better with that. But you've got to get better coverage. I'll agree with you there. And protection. There was a few instances, but I think that hasn't been just that's that's a big issue. I mean, it it killed you in Dallas, but it hasn't been an issue. Like it hasn't been a bunch of blocks or a bunch of threats to be blocked. It was just one one situation. That's true. I think on the to-do list, the to-fix list, yeah. that's probably lower than sorting out the place-kicking situation yeah. with Lucas Haversick going into his third game as a Ram, uh, maybe throttling back some of the punts or focusing more on hang time than distance, uh, making sure that the return game is sewn up. 
Yeah, all of those things. But I would go, say. Yeah, but or, going or, down to cover or yeah. getting a spark in the return game for that matter. Like when the Rams have the longest field in the National Football yeah. League, and they're going up against the Seahawks, who have the best starting field position. Like that's a matter of first downs and points being traded in the in the course of four quarters on Sunday. I don't think you have a special a Pro Bowl special team candidate on this football team. A Correct. guy that can go out and block one. You know what I'm saying? A guy that can make a difference. When they're kicking. I don't think that's the situation. Either returns or a guy that can get his hands on one to block it. I don't think you have that guy. Rams don't have a non-offensive score. Correct. That way. Like yeah. Other than extra points and field goals. They have not scored yeah. in a way other than offense so far this year. And, right. and let's face it, this offense needs a boost. This team needs I would lightning hope, in a bottle. I hoped it was Quentin Lake, but he's playing a big role on defense. That's fine. I hoped it would be Ben Skoranek. You know, maybe he could still be that guy, but somebody has got to emerge. Remember when Corey Littleton was here? Sure. He was an issue. Somebody has got to be that sort of guy. If you don't have that, at least have a return guy that scares people. But right now, the special teams is hold your breath with the Rams and get ready for something big on yeah, the other side. Hope for outcomes that aren't bad Correct. or detrimental yeah. to your chances. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long getting set for the second half of the season and a rematch with the Seattle Seahawks, whom the Rams opened up with a win against in the Pacific Northwest when they were bidding, being written off and discounted and that no-name Rams defense shut the Seahawks out in the second half. Maybe there's some more magic to tap into against the division rival this Sunday at SoFi Stadium. Coming up next it's four down territory our weekly trip inside opponents territory will get the latest on the six and three seattle seahawks as they make their return to sofi stadium glad you're with us tonight on this edition of rams all access 710 espn all right welcome back to rams all access demarco far will rejoin us momentarily jb long here previewing rams and seahawks round two coming up this sunday at sofi stadium it's time for four down territory our weekly trip inside opponents territory and our guest is former washington state and seahawks receiver michael bump is now a contributor and analyst on the seahawks radio network bump thanks for being with us good to check in with you jb what's up man how you doing I'm doing well. And, hey, I want to start with just kind of the fan pulse in Seattle because things seem to be going well for the Seahawks. They're tied with San Francisco for the division lead. But I know they're about to run the gauntlet, and there seems to be kind of mixed feelings about whether or not they can really survive this stretch, which includes a couple of head-to-heads with San Francisco plus Dallas and Philadelphia. What are you sensing? Like with the roster as it's currently constituted, can the Seahawks just as easily win the NFC West as uh, fall out of the playoff picture? Uh, easily, I would never throw that word in there when you're talking about winning the NFC West, especially with the 49ers. Like you mentioned, you got to play them twice. And then this week, man, you know what the, what the Rams do to the Seahawks. For some reason, whether they're in L.A. or they're in St. Louis, the Rams give the Seahawks some problems. So people talk about that four-game gauntlet that you just mentioned. I say five because it starts this week. But uh, I think people are a bit nervous. I think that Geno's been inconsistent at the quarterback spot. Um, I think people expecting him to duplicate what he did last year. His numbers aren't too far off of what he did last year, but uh, there's been some sketchy moments for him. So I think people are a bit nervous when it comes to quarterback play. And then uh, defensively, you see the talent, but then you see the big plays that are given up. Last week, the commanders completed 20 passes to tight ends and running backs. They had the majority of their yards. So teams are starting to figure out that you can find some mismatches with this defense. So I think teams, or excuse me, the 12s are, are confident, excuse me, confident that um, they can get it done but they know it's going to be a tough road ahead. All right, so let me follow up on a couple of things there. Michael Bumpus, our guest on Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory here on Rams All Access. And I'll start with Gino, because watching that game last week, it felt like 
you know, at halftime, he was kind of on the precipice of maybe losing his fan base a little bit there. I know there have been some rumblings to maybe make a switch, but then that second half and especially that game-winning drive, did that put him on more solid footing coming down to L.A.? Um, it did for most. You know, the thing about this fan base up here is that you get 10, 11 years of Russell Wilson, of 30 touchdowns, of going to the playoffs, of these spectacular plays, and you kind of get used to that and forget that most teams don't have their franchise guy. There's only about four or five teams in the league that say, look, this is going to be our guy for the next eight to ten years, guaranteed. Uh, so that second half definitely helped. The last two drives held. He was nine for ten on those drives, five for five on the final drive instead of the game winning field goal. But, um, you know, if, if he were not to come back that second half and do what he did, um, the, the, the cries for Drew Locke, Drew Locke will be even louder. And people are already asking for Drew Locke, which I don't understand. I'm like, look, you have a decent quarterback. You are six and three. He did turn the ball over eight times in four weeks, but then he got rid of that last week. Um, so it's a, it, it's scary times out here. People are used to a different kind of quarterback play. They've got to get used to, to Geno Smith. Michael Bumpus is our guest. He played at Washington State, also with the Seahawks, now a contributor on the Seahawks radio network, previewing this rematch at SoFi Stadium between division rivals. Well, for what seems like at least the second year in a row, Bump, the Seahawks found some gems in the draft. This year in the first round, I want to ask you about Devin Witherspoon, who we did not see in the opener, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Both seemingly have made big impacts on the Seahawks' success so far. What have they met, uh, meant to you uh, taking a look at the Seahawks this year? Uh, Devin Witherspoon has been uh, uh, amazing. You know, he, um, he plays with an instinct that a few defenders play with. There's some guys who just get it who don't really have to look at the X's and O's and all that stuff. They just know where to be. They fly to the football and just make plays. So he hit the scene hot first game against Detroit. Uh, he has interception. He's making all these plays. With JSN, it's been a bit different. You know, it's been a slow grind for him. He broke his hand during the preseason. Um, so I think the Hawks did a good job bringing him along slowly. And when you got DK and Lockett in front of you, you got to fight for your target. So I think as this young man has gotten a bit healthier, as he's uh, uh, getting, gotten acclimated to the game, you see the plays that he's making the last two games. He's had with four to six receptions and in career high when it comes to yards. Has the game winning touchdown a couple weeks ago. So uh, slowly but surely they are getting there. But both of these guys have been contributors, and every week I expect them to uh, to contribute a bit more. I want to see what Devin Witherspoon does against uh, Cooper Cup and, and Puka. Man, Puka tore the Hawks up last time. I want to see that matchup. Yeah, he was only on about. 6% of fantasy football rosters way back then. Though that was before he burst onto the scene with his uh, career day in Seattle. Final question for Michael Bump is here, and it's about the Seattle offensive line. I think looking back on week one, the biggest difference was the Seahawks losing both tackles going into that second half where they could not move the chains against the Rams defense. I know you've brought in some new pieces. I know they've been rotating that tackle, and they're getting healthier there. What do you expect in terms of Pete Carroll's offensive line as they make the return visit to SoFi Stadium? Man, it's by committee. And, you know, you got number 99 over there that gives everybody problems. So it's going to be it's going to be tough, man. I think the weakness of this offensive line so far this year has been at the guard positions. And, you know, with Aaron Donald playing interior lineman, playing that one tech, that three tech, even line them up outside, um, there's going to be some problems there. So it's all about just maintaining or containing Aaron Donald as much as you can. Uh, Abe Lucas is getting healthy. We don't think he'll play this weekend. He's one of the, our, our young tackles that have been injured as of late. But uh, it's been by committee. You bring over Peters, and there hasn't been a real consistent offensive line, and that's the thing that worries me the most. But uh, they've been able to, to work through it. Andy Dickerson's done a great job with those guys over there. They've had your ups and downs, but that's what you expect when you don't have a consistent five out there. I think um, 
when it comes to cohesion, that offensive line uh, probably leans on that the most other than any other uh, position on a football team. So, man, I, I expect I expect great protection, and I expect some mistakes as well. Man, I think um, Seahawks fans and analysts uh, in the Northwest have kind of come to terms with that. You know, no consistency on that line means you're not going to have consistent play. Michael Bumpets, we thank you for some of your time here on this Ram Seahawks week. We know the Apple Cup is just around the corner. If I promise that I deliver it to DeMarco Farr, you want to get a Go Cougs in before you go? Hey, Go Cougs all day. It ain't JB. <laughs> all right. Talk to you soon. <laughs> all right. There he goes, Michael Bumpus from the Seahawks Radio Network, and we'll have our final segment of Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr after this on 710 ESPN. All right, back with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Sunday at SoFi Stadium, the 6-3 and three Seattle Seahawks and the 3-6 and six Los Angeles Rams. It's been far too long since the Rams won a game in the month of November. Here's hoping they can get that streak snapped against the Seahawks. Do you still have fear of the Seahawks? I'll, I'll be honest, and I'll say this, and Rams fans know what I mean, and they know I'm not scared. But the 49ers shake me a little bit like oh you got them this week but Seattle I don't have that same oof anymore I used to but it's kind of gone now you know what I mean I think they're a beatable football team for the Rams yeah even going back to Jeff Fisher's tenure they're they're a team that the Rams have matched up pretty well against Sean McVay's got a great record against them you know in the division it's Arizona has been your bread and butter Seattle has been really good to you and San Francisco's been the thorn in your side but in the context of, of the remaining schedule, I think there are higher priorities, certainly. But I think winning your division games is something that you can really hang your hat on. True. The Rams gave San Francisco all they wanted, beat Seattle, beat Arizona. Now they open the second half with the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And then week 18 against San Francisco, I think snapping that regular season losing streak against the Niners yeah. would be a big box to check, no matter whether or not you make the postseason. You know, I, I say what you say about, you know, hanging tough with the 49ers. I just don't say it around their fan base. You know, really, when if you do, they'll turn around and say, look, you're crowing about coming close to beating us. Man, you guys must be down bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, but it's not like that. But you, when you get close again, you've got to come up with victories. That's the difference. But against Seattle, it's just... There's no maybe it was the 42 to 7 game up there in Seattle. They kind of took all the steam out of it. I, the, the the fear of Seattle I think might be gone. The Todd Gurley game? Yeah, that the one. Passing of the torch from the Legion of Boom era to the Sean McVay Rams yeah. run atop the Seeing NFC. Seeing them quiet and walking out early changed something in me for them. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I think there's a another chapter to Pete Carroll's career if he can keep going still the oldest coach in the league but still finding a lot of success and I think these last couple of draft classes have been very good to Seattle Uh, Devin Witherspoon who we did not see in week one in particular is a force to be reckoned with at corner Reek Woolen obviously had a great season last year as a rookie corner for them and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba who we just talked about has I think sparked their screen game he's the perfect third to stick in the slot with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett their tight ends are playing well you know got Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet a nice tandem in the backfield I see from a roster building standpoint the Seahawks being a team that can contend that might be able to go all the way and go toe-to-toe with a Dallas or a San Francisco or a Philadelphia in the end but at the same time from the Rams standpoint you need to send them into a tailspin that starts this Sunday oh, at SoFi Stadium. Definitely. I hope that happens. Uh, I, I think maybe the O-line, um, they need to be a little bit better there. Um, and that's, I guess, for Seattle. A, for Seattle. Yeah, that's what Michael Bump has just said. Their uh, offensive yeah. line is probably their Achilles heel. They're like uh, the survivors on the Titanic. I mean, sometimes they're just barely hanging on in there. But, I mean, they do a good enough job to keep Geno Smith at least upright and credible so he can get the ball out. But I think that might be the other area where that might keep Seattle from – 
taking the, the, the giant step forward. Uh, when you start talking about matching up with San Francisco, not as physical, or you have to match up with Philadelphia, I don't think your quarterback's good enough. So at some point, your, your deficiencies will stand up. But I agree with your roster building. If you're a young DB or a young defensive player, I would love to go play for Pete Carroll. You know that side of the ball is going to be locked tight. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to be talk. They're going to be preached uh, about takeaways. Everything that's good about defense, Pete Carroll is still teaching. That's why he's able to play at or, or coach this long in the National Football League. What about a key to this game as you look at Rams Seahawks round two? In some ways, so similar to the matchup in Week One, in other ways, very different. What do you think is going to determine Sunday's outcome? Protection of Matthew Stafford. Yes. Um, now, is Boye Mafe. I'll keep saying that name. Um, he's getting pressure off the edge. He's playing a lot more because Nuosu's not there. But they do get heat. They do a lot of things up front. They'll they'll trip up. They'll they'll take advantage of your blocking schemes and your pass protections and get pressure on the quarterback. So I, I'm glad this game is here. They don't have the benefit of crowd noise. So they're not going to get a jump off the football. But I would say pass protection for Matthew Stafford has got to be paramount. Now, that's not just five guys, you know, pass protecting. you got to run the ball effectively. you got to catch the football on the other end uh, to convert some of these easy dink and dunk plays to set up second and fives or third and shorts. you got to keep everything short and stay on schedule to protect your number one asset. Because when you need him, if you're down seven with two minutes to go, he's got to be fresh and ready to go for that moment. Yeah, I'm glad the Rams added Carson Wentz. I think that was a sensible move, maybe one they should have done earlier in the season if he was amenable to that arrangement. But nonetheless, with the bye week, he gets ramped up. I just don't want to see him play. No offense to Carson Wentz, but this season to me still rides on Matthew Stafford's health and especially his his thumb this weekend. If we get to that phase where we're playing Carson Wentz and we're talking about different things, so be it. I'm glad to have that plan to fall back on. I think in terms of not just roster management, but people management, yeah. that makes sense to have a competitive quarterback room because every other room in your building is, right? Every yeah. other room in your building is being held to a standard where, hey, DK, not playing well enough, we're going to make a change at corner, right? Yeah. Not that Matthew Stafford's going to be benched, but he has to have a viable professional backup, and as we found out in Green Bay, he didn't. True. Well, there's a lot they can relate to each other, Stafford and Wentz. I mean, they're both high-round picks. They've made some money in this league. They can talk about certain things that other people can't. So uh, the professionalism just went up. Who hit him in the Coliseum? Oh, gosh. Which guy was it? Was it – I can't remember. Uh, The safety. No, it wasn't a dirty shot. It was just – it was a goal line shot, wasn't it? It was a physical goal line shot. Was it LaMarcus Joyner? Oh, look. Ogletree? Somebody got him. But I remember the play because before that, Carson Wentz was killing him. He was killing everybody with that run-pass option stuff. Being a big physical quarterback, he's what people want Josh Allen to be. That's what he was when he was at his MVP best. And then he got hurt in the Coliseum, and it kind of went downhill from there. So maybe that knee injury was you know, more serious than we thought or it affected him more than we thought it would towards the end. I'm distracted because I'm watching. Yeah, who is it? I mean, Morgan Fox low. Was it Barron on top? Mark Barron. Yeah, he there you go. He kind of got sandwiched between them as I watch it back again. Okay. Watch that whole drive. Watch how they got down that far. Carson Wentz was killing them. Yeah, that, that dude was on fire. Yes, sir. If that guy still exists, oh, yeah. I'm glad he's in this room. Little did we know that Nick Foles would come back to win that game and yeah. guide the Eagles to the Super Bowl, and now he's got a statue. Crazy. In Philadelphia. Fits. <laughs>
The NFL comes at you fast, and it does often come full circle. All right, to the portion of the program that I know you did not want to talk about, which is the playoff eliminator. I want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So when we left this competition, you were asking for a do-over, one like free eject button. And here's what I mean. DeMarco and I have been drafting teams all season long that we think are going to miss the playoffs, teams that are going to be eliminated sooner rather than later as we get into the holidays. So far in my portfolio of teams, I have Arizona, Denver, Carolina, the New York Giants, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Washington Commanders. That is a great team of bad football. You're right. I've I've not always won this game, but I'm feeling good about being general manager of the year of this competition. Yes. DeMarco, he, he left before he looked a couple of times. No, come on. Houston is hot. Dallas is hot. Tampa Bay still got a shot. Chicago, New England, Tennessee, not so much. But that's who you've got. Okay, so let's... Tampa's going to fall off. Houston has been on fire. I got to give them credit. C.J. Stroud is unreal. I'll, I'll tell you yeah. what. I was tempted to take Minnesota one of those weeks. I'm yeah. glad I had some restraint you and backed didn't off. go down that pathway with the Vikings. And the Dallas pick. it around. The Dallas pick was before the Rams played it. It was. It, so, was, it yeah. was bold. It was braggadocious. <laughs> it was putting it all out there. I was expecting the Rams to beat them and send them into a tailspin. The opposite happened. Okay. 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 So if I do give you a mulligan, you're kicking Dallas out. Absolutely. You want me to strike Dallas from the record? Dak, Dak Prescott is went from, like, joke to MVP candidate. He is balling right now. So please, can I kick Dallas out of my, my off my team, off my list? Yes. I'm going to Because Tampa I'm good you, with. Yeah. I think I'm going to force you to do two things. One, you have to draft a replacement team right here, right now. Oh, boy. In this edition of Rams All Access. I can give you some options. Okay. But the other thing is I get a freebie down the road, too, and I can use that all the way up until our last show so that if one of the teams that I've selected gets hot, I get my money. So I got to pick now, and you get yeah, the I chance get a, for get back late. I get a breakfast ball for dessert when it's time. Fair. When it's winning time. Deal. Knuckles. Give okay. me that. Okay, deal. Right. So some teams that have not been selected what, yet. Have you? Did you take Tennessee? Uh, Tennessee is in your bucket. That's in my bucket. Go ahead. So, uh, the Jets are out there, the Colts are still available, the Green Bay Packers, the Chargers. Wow. That might be fun to take the Chargers. I think I will take the Chargers. So yeah. you're replacing Dallas with the Chargers. Yeah, because all these hyped up Charger fans out here talking okay. trash to me. And then I'm going to get week 11 yeah. as one more data point, and I get the first pick of next week as we resume. I did it again. competition alive. I See, I went with my, my head instead of my uh, my heart instead of my head. See? But I'm picking the Chargers. No way they make the playoffs. Okay, okay. so now Dak and Dallas are no longer your Thank concern. Goodness. Baker and Tampa Bay still could win the wide-open NFC South. Come on. So you be think so? There. Wow. Could be. Uh, hey, the bye week was great. I know it was important for you and your family, for me and mine. But nothing beats game day at SoFi Stadium. And no matter the record, a chance to beat the Seahawks to win a game in the NFC West. Let's not overlook those. Let's not take those for granted. Let the draft pecking order and everything that comes down the road, let, let that be for another season of, of life, okay? Yeah. Let's go get a win against the Seattle Seahawks. Let's play for something down the stretch. Let's have meaningful football in December. What say you? I'm right there with you. Do you remember the Super Bowl run, how dark it got towards the middle of the year? I remember no win November. In fact, no win November of 2021 became a Super Bowl ring, but it also carried over into no win November of 2022. 
And here we are so far in yeah. no-win November 2023. This has gone on long I, enough. I just remember that. I that, don't want to be talking about one last chance to snap the streak next week in Arizona. But I remember that no-win November. I didn't know it had a name. But then I also remember at the end of that year, you were dead tired in this stadium talking about the Rams are Super Bowl champions. Remember that? Yeah. It happens. From that point to that point, can happen, but it's got to start Sunday. No doubt. For DeMarco Farr, for Adam Bronstein, our producer, I'm JB Long. Thank you for being with us for another edition of Rams All Access. Hope you can join us in Hollywood Park for Seahawks and Rams this Sunday at SoFi Stadium, if not on the air right here on 710 ESPN.